Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Lock It In, a sports betting show, part of the Believe Podcast Network. And now, here's your host, Cam Rogers. Thank you, Brian Brown. Yes, indeed. This is Lock It In with Cam Rogers. What's going on? This is Believe, the number one content network for professionals. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Rogers99. And you can follow my guest, Brian Ralph, at Brian R A U F. He is a lead and national writer and podcast host for Heat Check College Basketball, one of the great college basketball minds and really a fantastic follow. And it, it's probably Christmas for him this week and really just the entire month here as we enter March Madness. We are breaking down the bracket. Brian is providing some insight on what you should do as you fill out your bracket. So, Brian, appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's it is certainly an exciting time. It feels like Christmas, except I sleep a little on Christmas. I'm not <laughs> not sleeping too much now. No, certainly not. A lot of basketball to be watched for you, my friend. And I just want you to quickly conceptualize, summarize this college basketball season. I think this is fair to say, Brian, the first normal college basketball season mm-hmm. since the pandemic. You know, yep. less volatility in that regard, but a lot of volatility in terms of the results on the scoreboard. Yeah, last year it was very clear Gonzaga and Baylor were on a collision course in the title game. They were the two best teams all season long. That wasn't the case this year. I do think there was a top tier of 9, 10, 11 teams that somewhat separated themselves from everybody else, but all of those teams also lost. Mm consistently like there there was that one saturday at the end of february where like seven of the top eight teams all lost on the same day right like those teams are all better than everybody else but they can all be beaten and they're all flawed in some way that can be exposed in the right matchup or the right circumstance it's a very delicate balance i think for each of those it's a strong group of mid majors this year as well yeah we're going to see the high seeds go go far in the tournament but i think we will see some fall early this is going to be i think an exciting tournament in the first weekend first round or two where there are those quality mid-majors and some flawed high seeds going up against each other that that could lead to uh, some upsets and exciting action well let's start there talk about the number one seeds here obviously i'm not going to bury the lead you have gonzaga cutting down the net so obviously you don't find them very flawed but maybe a team like baylor who's the weakest number one seed that is in danger of losing early baylor is is the weakest uh Everyday John, Jonathan, uh, he is their energizer buddy in the middle, um, excellent rebounder, defender. He was lost for the season about a month ago. Uh, and since then, Baylor has uh, been able to, to kind of piece together uh, a solid team, but they're, they're still at hole in the middle that, that can be exploited. And their region in the East uh, is very, very tough. I, I think they can get certainly get by uh, Norfolk State in their first-round matchup and even get to the Sweet 16. But at that point, looking at a one seed without one of their more reliable players has a hole uh, and a, a very limited ceiling compared to what we were looking at with Baylor uh, a month or two into the season when they looked like the best team in the country. Yeah. So taking on uh, Norfolk there to start things off, we'll see how they perform going forward. It'll either be UNC or Marquette after that, if they win that game. 
Uh, Brian, there's always chatter about who's left out. How did this team get in? Why is Rutgers there? Where's a and And so <laughs> I don't know if there's anything too, too controversial. Take the temperature here, Brian. Is there anything that's like, whoa, this was a mistake in terms of leaving a team out or letting a team in? I, I think letting Notre Dame in was a mistake. You know, they're the two seed in the ACC. And in a normal year, any team that finished second in the ACC deserves to get in the tournament. Notre Dame was four and nine against quadrants one and two combined. That's the worst record, uh, I believe, of any non mid major, like non automatic qualifier hmm. to make the field. Right? That, was, that was a big reason why I thought they were going to be left out. I thought Wake Forest had a better chance out of the ACC than Notre Dame did. That was a big surprise to me, particularly when you're leaving out a team like Texas AM. Rutgers was a, a very big surprise because they have some really dreadful losses from back in November, uh, losing to Lafayette at home. Certainly is not a good thing. Losing to DePaul is certainly not a not good great. thing. Some, had some quad four losses. They also had a good number of quad one wins. And all of those came in the last month, month and a half. I'm happy Rutgers got in because I, I think they are more capable than a lot of the other bubble teams were of winning a game or two in the tournament. I, I don't know if their resume deserved it though because of those early season struggles. Yeah. Yeah. So Notre Dame in the first four in, if you will. Mm -hmm. So you don't think they're getting past, obviously, that round. Yeah, so they got Rutgers, um, but I don't think they're getting past. Notre Dame is, um, uh, this is one of Mike Bray's better coaching jobs that he won't get credit for because nothing's going to really come of it. Uh, But this, the talent and the athleticism that this group has does not warrant a top half of the ACC finish, let alone second in an NCAA tournament berth. It's just not there. Rutgers is excellent defensively. They can get stuck in the mud offensively. So this, it could turn into a game, but Rutgers, if they play their B game should handle Notre Dame fairly easily. Okay. Brian, there's so much content out there. I'm stressed as I'm trying to figure out what to read, what to follow. It's endless really. So I want you to sort of put things into a vacuum. What would be your number one piece of advice when filling out a bracket? Have upsets. Don't have Cinderella runs. Okay. That's generally a rule of thumb, and I'm, I'm breaking that rule of thumb this year for a good reason. I, I think there's a, a very good, very good six seed out there in Colorado State. Picking first on upsets is awesome, and it's a lot of fun because that's, that's what makes the first weekend of the NCAA tournament so enjoyable, right? But what makes runs like Loyola Chicago's as an 11 seed to the Final Four or VCU's Back in 2011, when they went from the first four to the final four, George Mason, when they went to the final four, what makes those runs so fun is that they don't happen very often, right? It's kind of like lightning in a bottle. You see it happen every four or five years. It doesn't happen consistently. Pick those double-digit seeds to win a game. Pick them to go to the Sweet 16 if you're really high on them. But if you're looking at a 12 or a 13 that you really like, don't put them in the final four. There there is an off chance you could be right. But more often than not, you're, you're going to be wrong. Typically, the, the teams that make a run are, are the one seeds. You throw a two or a three seed in there. And you can look at a, a five or six uh, in a chaos region, as I like to call it. I have, I have one of those this year. But those double-digit seeds, Virginia Tech is a popular pick for a lot of people this year. ACC champs coming in as, 11, as an 11 seed. Hmm. They're hot. They, they could make a run through, right? Uh, they're an 11 seed for a reason. Teams are a 12 seed for a reason, right? They, you can pick them to win a game. 
or two. I think that's fine. I would just caution against picking some of those Loyola Chicago, George Mason, VCU type runs. Don't get too cute is what you're saying. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As the bracket goes on, it gets chalkier and chalkier. Yeah. You you can, you can get cute in the first round. Uh, You can even go to the sweet 16 if you want to get cute and, and try and make one of those picks, but if you're trying to win some money in a bracket pool or bragging rights, depending on, on your stance there, Keep it chalkier the further you go. You know, I was really excited to ask you this question because it's something that I really want to work off of when I'm filling out my bracket. When you predict upsets, is there a particular matchup that you look for? Like a really good defensive team can upset a really good offensive team that has a bad shooting night. I feel like that would be a viable upset Mm -hmm. formula. But is there any sort of formula you look at in particular? There are a couple of factors, I would say. If the mid-major or the lower seed, I guess, if the lower seed has the best player in the game, the best individual player, that's a a sign of a possible upset pick. If the high seed struggles down the stretch, that's a pick as well. There are a couple of Big Ten teams that fit that mold that are really limping into this that are are playing really quality mid-major teams as well. Um, Those are the two big things. You'll also look at at style of play, right? I, I tend to not pick upsets where they play the same way, because if you have a power conference team with power conference level talent, power conference size against a mid-major team with mid-major talent and mid-major size playing the same way, chances are the power conference team does it better. Right. You want to see a a contrast of styles in there as well. The mid-major potentially showing that the power conference team, something they don't see on on a typical basis. Those are the three main factors that I really look for in picking them. Uh, And sometimes you just get a really good mid-major who uh, maybe knocks off a power conference team or, or two during the regular season and shows the capability to do it. Uh, that's why those tournaments we, we watch around Thanksgiving uh, become important this time of year. Hmm. You see some of those teams kind of stick them in the back of your brain for a little bit and try and pull them out when the, term, when the bracket gets released. Matchups matter is what you're saying. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to talk about the Big Ten here. You talked about how some teams are limping in that particular conference. I would guess that you're thinking of Michigan State and perhaps Wisconsin a little bit. What are and your Ohio thoughts? State. Yeah, oh, Ohio yeah. State, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. What are your thoughts on Purdue, though? Uh, so I will say this. Purdue is a very talented offensive team. Yep. There have been two teams in the last 20 years that entered the NSA tournament with worst defensive ratings than Purdue has right now that went on to make the final four. One of them was that 2011 VCU team that went from the first four to the final four. That team probably didn't deserve to get into the tournament, but did and actually made a run on the strength of their havoc defense, that pressure defense that um, they, they switched to and really ramped up in the tournament. So their metrics certainly improved. The other was the 2003 Marquette team that had Dwayne Wade. There you go. As, as, <laughs> as good as Jaden Ivey is, I don't know if he's Dwayne Wade. And I don't stat. think this team can capture like what that VCU team had where they suddenly became an, an elite defensive team in the tournament. I, I think they're a good team. I think they, they you know, can win anywhere between you know, one, two, three games. I don't think they're going to the Final Four, though. I think that defense is, is going to keep them out and cause them to fall short. Yeah, I'm concerned about that defense for sure. I have them finishing – Perhaps before the Sweet 16, we'll see how the matchups shake out as I fill out my bracket. Staying with the Big Ten, Iowa, getting a lot of love, a lot of Mm. movement in the betting market right now as far as their chances to make the Final Four, to win it all, whatever. I'm kind of in the camp of let's slow our roll a little bit on Iowa. What say you? 
I'm I'm with you to a certain extent. I, I think their pod, their 14 pod, sets up well for them to get to the Sweet 16, uh, even if they're not playing their best. But this is a team that does not have uh, real top-end talent outside of Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray is awesome. He's incredible. First team All-Americans should be a lottery pick in the NBA draft. Outside of him, though, uh, there's not a lot there uh, that can win games for Iowa. Uh, they are p- certainly peaking at the right time. The way they played in the Big Ten tournament and, and over the last couple of weeks uh, has been incredible. Defensively, though, they're not that good. They're, uh, they have a reputation for being a little bit softer in the middle, more of a finesse team that just comes with being a, a more offensively dominant team. Uh, Fran McCaffrey, their coach, also has never been to a Sweet 16. He's had some really good teams before. Last year's Iowa team had the National Player of the Year. Luke Garza was a two seed, got trounced by Oregon uh, in the in the second round. Right. There are some things that Iowa has to overcome, and I think are flaws that could keep them from making that long run. But I also don't think they're in danger of falling victim to that traditional five twelve upset, uh, or even potentially losing the second round. I, I think they're solid enough for you to feel comfortable picking them to win a couple games. Uh, but I would caution against that that final four run you might be tempted to pick them for. Okay, we'll see what happens with the Hawkeyes. You know, I was going through your Twitter feed and I kind of laughed when somebody replied to you, "Death taxes and Brian picking Gonzaga to win the <laughs> national championship." But here we are. You're picking yep. the Zags yet again. I mean, it's not a crazy pick. Obviously, they're the best team in the nation. So, mm-hmm. tell me about your confidence level more so in them cutting down the nets. It's high. Uh, it's not as high as it was last year. So this will be the second year in a row I picked them because I picked mm-hmm. them last year. Last year, I was super confident. They were undefeated. They were the best team in in, uh, in terms of efficiency margin uh, that's ever been recorded in college basketball. They were rolling uh, and then you know, got punched in the mouth first four, eight minutes, uh, the game against Baylor. And, and now suddenly that team was a fraud, which is not true. <laughs> but uh, this year, again, they lead the nation in efficiency margin. They're the only team that ranks in the top 10 both offensive and defensive efficiency. They lead the nation in offensive efficiency. They have a guy who's probably going to win the best point guard in the country, the Bob Cousy Award, Andrew Nimhard, who isn't just a Gonzaga guy. He spent his first two years at Florida and was one of the better players in the SEC while he was there. For all the people who are going to talk about, he's just being propped up by playing in the West Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Uh, Chet Holmgren, going to be the number one pick in the draft, most likely. He's the nation's best shot blocker and despite being over seven feet tall, is one of the nation's best three-point shooters. Then there's Drew Timmy, who was the preseason national player of the year, going to be an All-American again, uh, perhaps the best lowest post scorer in the country, right? I like that. That trio is as good as any trio in the country. You add in the fact, I know they lost to Duke, and they lost to Alabama back in December. The issues that plagued them then were turnovers and poor three-point shooting. Since then, though, if you look at the course of the season, they're 17th nationally in three-point shooting and 39th, I believe, in turnover rate. Not issues, not issues anymore. They improved, as you would expect a team that was bringing into new pieces to do. I don't think they're perfect. They're, I don't think they're as good as last year's team was. But this year's team, I think, is still a little bit better than everybody else in the country. Okay. Gonzaga, the number one overall seed in the tournament. I want to zero in on the South region. 
because you see this as team chaos. And honestly, yep. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So the number one seed is Arizona. And I find yep. this so interesting, Brian, because all of the pundits on Bracketology and all these shows are like, oh, it's Arizona, it's Arizona, it's Arizona. And then mm -hmm. I see a tweet from you, Colorado State's going to represent that region in the final four. So before we get to your final four predictions and what have you, I just want to ask you about that region in particular. Why mm -hmm. so much chaos? Uh, Arizona is awesome. And I think deserves a lot of the accolades that they've been given at the same time this is a team that has wins over ucla who they also lost to usc and illinois and that's about it for the teams of note that it's beaten hmm. uh, playing the pac-12 power conference happen. people don't really look at it but they they have not played a, a really difficult schedule when they have faced some, some tougher teams that can slow the pace down. This is a team that likes to get up and down the court. They're top 10 in the country in pace. Um, when they play a team that makes them slow down, like we saw when they played at Tennessee, turn the ball over a ton, shot three poorly, lost. UCLA was able to do that in the first matchup in Westwood. Arizona turned the ball over, shot three poorly, lost. Against Colorado, who didn't make the tournament. Is that Colorado? Slowed the pace down. Arizona turned the ball over, shot three poorly, lost by 16. Right. Like they are really good, but there is a, a way to beat them that we just have. They haven't played the level of competition that we could see it happen against. I would still have them going pretty far if they I don't have if I didn't have them facing TCU in the second round. Ooh, OK, so TCU they are a, the buzzsaw, if you will. They are the they are the buzzsaw and they've really only come on in the last month. But they're a team with excellent length, excellent size. Jamie Dixon's their head coach, who for two decades now has had just really uh, gritty nasty tough defensive teams and this team is athletic and long enough and plays at a slow pace to grind arizona down they, they can get back in transition they can make arizona play that half court game and they have a, a point guard too mike miles jr who is the point guard for the u.s u19 world, world cup team uh, that went and won gold he was the best not the best player but he was certainly the best guard uh, I, I took on that team He's been inconsistent this year, but if you're looking for like a, a sleeper star to break out, he's got as good of a chance as anybody, uh, I, I think. So again, Arizona's a really good team. If they faced anybody other than TCU, I would probably have them at least in my Elite Eight, but I, I think TCU is just a bad matchup for them. So I would surmise that you have Colorado State beating Tennessee. Now I do. I like Tennessee a lot because they are balanced on Ken Palm, and I haven't really dug too, too deep. So I want you to give me your thoughts on A, why the Rams, and B, what's wrong with Tennessee? So I, I have been very much in the, in the camp of Colorado State since the preseason. Uh, they have probably, other than Chet Holmgren, the most unique player in the country in David Roddy. He's a 6'6", 255-pounder who can play point guard effectively and play center effectively. He can do all five positions on offense and defense. He's a, he's a real matchup problem. Tennessee's got some bigs. They like to play big and physical uh, that can't handle him outside. They also have one of the nation's best point guards in Isaiah Stevens. He was one of the 10 finalists for the Bob Cousy award for, for best point guard in the country. Guard play matters this time of year. And Colorado State's going to have an advantage there too. Talked about when we look at upsets, we want to look at mid majors or lower seeds that have the best player, two best players. Kennedy Chandler for Tennessee is the most talented and probably the best NBA prospect. But Stevens and Roddy are, are the two best players in that game, I would say. Tennessee, excellent defensively. They've made some lineup changes the last month and a half. 
to go a little bit smaller. They started playing three guards and it's, it's helped some of their offensive issues, but they are a team that can, can go eight or 10 minutes without scoring a bucket. And they've done that multiple, multiple times this season where it's not a rarity get into a situation like that against a team like Colorado state who has a, a top 30 offense. Ah, Look out. That's a recipe for an upset for me. Okay. Yeah. A lot of chaos happening in that side of the bracket there for Brian. You know, I want to quickly touch upon Duke here. I had Sheldon Williams on a previous episode, Brian, and you know, he wasn't really sure about this Duke team as far as going all the way. He didn't want to go and say as far as they're going to the final four or even winning the national championship. So I'll throw the question to you as well. Are you unsure about this Duke team? Yes. Uh, 100% yes. There are um, legitimate issues with them from a a depth standpoint. They go about six guys deep. Uh, They'll go to seven or eight with Theo John and Joey Baker if they get in foul trouble or depending on matchups. But at their core, it's a six-man rotation. Hmm. That's not going to cut it. They're not a great three-point shooting team. Their three-point defense, too, has, has really been lacking over the last month or two, Virginia Tech shredded them in the ACC tournament title game in large part because they were able to get really whatever look they wanted to from three. The, the thing that's interesting with Duke, though, is that you'd think the interior would be their strength. Mark Williams, one of the best big men in the country, and Paulo Bancaro who's going to be a top three pick in the NBA draft, anchoring that front court. They struggle to rebound the ball. Duke does. In their losses in close games this year, they have let – much lesser teams, non-NSA tournament teams, hang around because they let them shoot the three and get second chances on the, on the glass. Those have been the, the two big things that have plagued them time and time again. I, I think we still think of Duke as the team we saw blast Kentucky in the Champions Classic on opening night and then beat Gonzaga later in November, which that Duke team is still in there somewhere. And that Duke team is absolutely capable of winning a national champion national championship, but they've played eight NSA tournament teams since then, or eight games against NSA tournament teams since then they're four and four in those games. That's not like, are they going to go six and oh now? I, I don't think so. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. They're not very physical and that's a tough style of basketball to win by consistently, obviously, as you alluded to mm-hmm. uh, when you're relying on three point shooting or, you know, just shooting in general. And if you have an off night, then look out. So All right, let's talk about your final four. So you've got, obviously, Gonzaga going all the way, winning the national Mm -hmm. championship out of their region. As far as the others, Kentucky out of the East, taking on Gonzaga. Then you have Kansas out of the Midwest, taking on the chaos region, Colorado State. Um, What what intrigues you about these matchups here? And, well, you can touch upon Kansas and Kentucky, too, since Mm -hmm. we didn't really get to them. Yeah, Kentucky has as much talent as anybody in the country, right? They have they made some changes. They lost Notre Dame in December. After that, John Calipari made some offensive changes that he really should have made at the start of the season. Got his guards tacking more downhill. Essentially, he changed his offense to play more like it was when he had elite point guards at the start of the 2010s. So he had like John Wall, uh, Brandon Knight, guys like that that were lottery picks, Eric Bledsoe. He went back to playing that kind of style, getting them downhill, flip a switch. Suddenly they don't lose when they're healthy. Uh, they, they lost, they've lost five games, I think in 2022, but three of them, they did not have either one or both of their star, star guards in severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington. Um, when those guys are in, you know, they beat Tennessee by 28 points 
they went to Kansas and beat Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse by 18 points. And the game wasn't that close. Mm-hmm. At, at their ceiling, they can be elite. Uh, Oscar Sheboy in the middle is on pace to be the first player since 1985 to average over 15 rebounds a game. Having having him inside certainly helps. Uh, they got a tough region to get through, but I, I certainly trust that they can do it. Kansas, very talented as well. All-American and Ochai Abaji. They have a they benefit from an easier region and I think an easier path. But the key for them is that Remy Martin, the Arizona State transfer, is recovering from his injury and is starting to play a little bit more. He's still coming off the bench, getting about 20 minutes a game. But he gives them that individual shot creation and playmaking that they don't have otherwise. That's been the one hole really in, in their system for most of the season when he's been sidelined or in Bill Self's doghouse or right. one way or another, it, it isn't playing much. He He's back to doing that now. And it's made Kansas a much more well-rounded team uh, that bodes well for a long run and their path certainly doesn't hurt either. Gonzaga, Kentucky, Kansas, Colorado state, the final four for Mr. Brian Ralph here, college basketball national writer and podcast host for heat check hard hitting question here. Will there ever be a perfect bracket? Mine's perfect right now. Oh, there we go. I love the confidence. <laughs> yeah, they haven't played a game yet. Every 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 bracket is perfect. Right. Uh, until they start playing games. That's how I feel about my bets going into a golf tournament. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to sweep this yeah. board, you know? Yeah. If you don't think your bracket is perfect at this point, you didn't fill it out right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, plenty of time, of course. Basketball starts tomorrow night, but the round of 64 kicks off on Thursday midday. Any other big storylines we should be tracking here, Brian, as we wrap up? Um, not NSA tournament related, but there's been a lot of coaching changes already. Yes. Uh, yes. Five SEC openings. One of them has already been filled by Mike White leaving Florida to go to Georgia. Um, coaching carousel is going to be spinning pretty quickly here. A lot of schools did not make changes last year, two years ago, because of um, uh, COVID related reasons. Athletic departments not having enough money to pay buyouts. Right. Um, wanting to keep stability to program each team has their program has their different reasons. That's going to lead to, I think a a pretty built up and accelerated coaching carousel that's going to be going on while the tournament's going on. So uh, both on court and off court action to, to keep an eye on in college basketball. Please tell me the future is bright with Maryland. And did they do the right thing with Turgeon, by the way? Uh, Yes. From the standpoint of, I don't think they were going to reach the level Maryland fans want and I think should desire to be at. With Turgeon, um, the key is who you who you're bringing in to replace him. Right. Um, Kevin Willard, I think, would be a good a good option there, but there is no obvious slam dunk candidate. So we'll see. Uh, I think Maryland and and Louisville are in interesting spots now, though, because you have openings, you have desirable jobs. Who's the who's the obvious desirable candidate? I, right. I don't I don't know if that guy's out there. Yeah. By the way, quickly, LSU and their chances in the tournament amid the coaching changes. What do you think about them? Good defensive team. They, my uh, my co-host Connor Hope on the Hope and Ralph podcast um, that's available anywhere you get your podcasts. There are 32 first round games. We've deemed 31 of them watchable. The LSU Iowa State first <laughs> round game is is the unwatchable game that's in the first round. Both of those teams have phenomenal defenses that rank in the top 10 nationally, and just dreadful offenses. I, I think LSU could win that game with you or me coaching them Fair and enough. be fine. Beyond that, I wouldn't pick them to win uh, a single game, but that first round matchup against Iowa State sets up really well for them. Brian Ralph, lead national writer and podcast host for Heat Check College Basketball. Follow him on Twitter at Brian 
R-A-U-F. Brian, what's coming up in terms of content here? Yeah, so we are getting ready to release a digital NSA tournament preview magazine. Great. Covering uh, every team from every angle, individual breakdowns for all 68 teams, region previews, uh, give you our insight, have some analytics in there to tell you what the odds of some upsets, uh, details about every team so that we tell you what we think you should do with your picks, but there's hard data in there as well that uh, can help you make decisions with your picks as well. We also have articles that are covering the tournament from every angle in terms of stars to know, stars you're going to know, uh, Cinderella picks, upset picks. Again, every angle that you you would want to have covered or, or learn about the NSA tournament, you can find that up on heatcheckcbb.com. Okay, there you go. Brian Ralph right here on Lock It In. Appreciate the time, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.